Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hey, good morning, world. Good to see everyone online. Good to see you in the room. We're kicking off the brand new series called Roots. We'll be going through a material called Get Rooted. It's on our website, citylifelancing.com, under the resources. And you can also go to getrooted.org as we go through seven roots to enhance and help us grow in Jesus deeper, wider, and stronger. And today is titled Root One, Seed, Understanding Salvation. Jesus planted his life so that you and I could live. It's not enough just to know it for a moment. It's a lifelong journey to discover what happened. And so today we'll look at the story arc of God's redeeming plan through Jesus of why we're here in the name of Jesus on a Sunday and inviting other people to come home because God wants to save people. Look at Colossians 2. Paul writes from prison, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I am absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are in the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, and with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, 
and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. What's speaking right there is, remember that you were bought by the blood of Jesus. In your life, my life was dead and he made us brand new. And he did that on the cross. Understanding salvation, we'll cover four points today to look at the story. We have to go back to the very beginning and then we'll jump ahead to where we're at post-resurrected Jesus Christ. Number one, creation. God created everything and saw it was good and we were with God. That is so key to know. Number two, the fall. Sin and destruction entered our world through the fall and we were separated and cast out from God. Three, the rescue. God came to rescue us through Jesus and that connection with God is restored. All things new. God will return to make all things new and make a new heaven and a new earth. Tim Mackey at the Bible Project, he has a really great um, illustration I'm gonna pull from. And if we just say for a minute, here we are, we're on planet Earth. And most of people believe that it's to follow Jesus, that the story is pretty much heaven or hell. And my life. We're all going to eventually get there, and all of us will be in one of two places, heaven or hell. And then what happens on this journey is, I did some good, I did some bad. Well, how do I get there? And then it becomes a last second shot. We're like, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe Jesus. <laughs> but that's not God's story and intent. Creation is a story that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what is so fascinating is the Eastern perspective uses pictures and imagery to communicate truths. Us in our setting, being Western mindset, we want everything to be literal with ones and zeros, linear thinking. We can maybe credit the Industrial Revolution. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons, our schooling system, and we just want to be told what to do, where to stand. We're indoctrinated this way at a very young age. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And then we start to project that as the story of heaven or hell, and we say, well, isn't it just a story of right or wrong or 
who's good or enough, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It isn't an encyclopedia where he's given us every single word. He's given us a, a big picture of the origin that the heavens, where God is at, in this place where he created earth, and then in it, let's just call it this love story because God is love, that mankind in this garden of Eden would be with God. There was no shame, live naked, everything's good. He gives us a job description. Go be fruitful, multiply. And he says, just one thing. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just one. We were meant to rule over, check this clip, creation. Creation. God created the world and us in his image. And his creation is a garden called Eden, which means paradise and a place of pleasure and beauty. This is a sacred place where heaven and earth meet. Man is with God in the garden of Eden. This is where God and man dwell together. There is no separation from God or shame. We are given a vocation to take dominion, be fruitful and multiply and rule. Simply the story of understanding salvation begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all of mankind in his image. Creation. And then things take a drastic turn in the fall. Check this out. The fall. God gave mankind full reign to take dominion and rule with only one command to not do, to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. But the evil one tempted mankind with a lie asking us to question God's motive or intent. Asking us to question what God said and meant and luring Adam and Eve to believe that God was trying to deprave humans of fulfillment in becoming like God by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. By believing this lie from the evil one and giving into this temptation, sin entered the world. Romans 5.12 reads, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death spread to all people because all sinned. By the disobedience and sin of one man, Adam, all of humanity was changed forever. Death, disease, decay, shame, hiding, and destruction all entered the world and ultimately mankind was separated from God with no way to make it back to him. All of mankind is now guilty with no way to make a payment to atone for sin. The story of understanding salvation takes a dark turn after creation with the fall. Now, the story of Genesis is written in a narrative perspective meant to capture our attention and affections. Think like movie trailer, movie uh, to tell you a story of the origin and how we're in this state that we're in. It's not a debate whether there's good and evil. We see that everywhere. It's not a debate if there's love and hate. It's obvious. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. 
being a parent, some of the hardest moments is watching your kid lie when you know you can help them. But you did it. I did it. It's that sin nature that we're all born into. And then we naturally, at this point, start to, okay, if we're going down this track, all right, God, everything was perfect. We were meant to rule over, and yet then we were deceived and ruled by what we were meant to rule over, and it changed everything. It just seems so unfair. Well, God's intent was that we would be with him. So this is where the rescue plan starts to happen. The rescue plan is what God can only do because we are separated from God. So here is us living here and then God. And we just can't cross over there. We can't pay enough. We can't do enough good things. And there's a gap. And so God, through Abraham and the children of Israel, he chooses a people to rescue us because we're all drowning, dead in sin, can't make it out. And let's travel for a moment past all of the books in the Old Testament, thousands of years, and the story, it culminates into one moment when Jesus shows up on the scene. And to understand salvation, we go straight to the cross. There's so much that happens on the cross, but we must remember that the story of Jesus is good news. Mark 1, 1 says, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now the Gospels, they give us different angles and they highlight different truths about Jesus, but it's one story. And the Gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a consensus among scholars that they, there's this document called Q that must have been referenced that they were sharing. And it's much different than how we record history today. But yet the amount of artifacts and evidence is second to none for the Bible's authenticity in the eyewitness account being recorded from ancient standards. And then here we are, it's been translated over time. Naturally, we'd think, okay, okay, okay. Well, what's been lost? How did it get preserved? And all those are very fair and valid questions. But let's remember what's being preserved. It's the story of Jesus. And we have to remember him, if we're following him, remember how we were saved, admitting that we need to be saved because sin has separated us. Anything that is, is not like God, our rebellion, choosing our own path, we need a savior. And then the Messiah, the one that would be prophesied for generations would come to redeem God's people. And the children of Israel kind of saw it, they thought maybe it'd only be them. But God had a mystery plan that the Gentiles would also get into. So the real question is just really who is Jesus? And if he rose from the dead, then that changes everything. The written account, the oral stories, but also just the proof, like, I testify. My life has been radically changed from hearing about the story of Jesus Christ. 
Mark 1, 14 and 15, this good news. And John was arrested. Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Well, what is the good news? What is the good news? Come on. What, what is it? It says, repent and believe. Two action items. Because we can make everything so complicated. I get it. Repent. What does it mean to change your mind? I don't want to try to save myself. I need a savior. Believe. Believe that there's not many ways to God. Because there's only one that came over to us. And let's watch what he did. Let's keep traveling on this journey together. When Jesus showed up on the scene, his job description, he walks inside a church service, and the reading of the day was out of Isaiah 61. And the scroll of the prophet recorded in Luke's gospel, Isaiah was given to him, and the unrolling of the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Watch this good news. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what's interesting is he quits reading there because the next line in Isaiah 61 it says, in the day of our God's vengeance. So what he leaves out is what he's about to take. The vengeance for all of sin. Because God is good, he's perfect, and he's just. And just like when anybody violates something, man, you got to pay for it. You can't have reconciliation without a payment or acknowledgement of some type of wrong. That's why people can't just say, we can just move on, right? Like justice ain't served if to just move on. When a guilty party. And what here is where it gets really hard. You want to know what's really hard? You and me, apart from God making us brand new, we are all dead in sin, all guilty. That's the bad news. Very bad. Like grievously bad. Bad, bad, bad. And I'm going to share my testimony at the end. But one thing I, I knew was I knew I was guilty. Like I just knew in my heart, every time I did something wrong, Oh, like where's that come from? It's written on our hearts. It's not God's plan from the beginning to be with him. And so you have um, basically modified versions for a time, right? Before Jesus, you would have animal sacrifices, which would temporarily connect us back with God. You, you know, this is where, the, think of the temple and uh, God's people, where his presence would be, that there would be atonement. The high priest would go in and, and offer on uh, behalf of the sins of the people. It was temporary because no sacrifice was sufficient. No payment could be from the beginning to the end other than God sending Jesus. And this is where it starts to get like, okay, well, wait, what? Yeah. Because looking at that there's something wrong then leads us to, well, how does it get right? But the beginning of the story of salvation, it was right. It went wrong. It wasn't God's plan. Something in us chose another path. 
Well, with the hell piece, man, okay, yeah, but he's going to have judgment. But in Matthew 25, it says this. Depart from me, for I never knew you, and you will go to the place prepared for the devil and the fallen angels. Lean into that. God didn't prepare hell for you. He doesn't want you there. He doesn't want people to perish. And this is where it is so hard. It's a mystery. Well, why do some hear and some don't, and predestination or not, and, and, and just lean into all that. But what I do know is this. God sent Jesus because he so loved the world. And he did not send his son to condemn the world because they're already condemned in their sin. He sent his son so that he might save them, rescue them. That's why it's good news. We have to be rescued. And then Jesus, verse 20, he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. He sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Who does this carpenter's son think he is? He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. This is so powerful. Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven where God's at, has now come close to get you back. The kingdom to be restored, that the king is here. But people missed the king because they were just looking for a candidate to come in power. But he came lowly like a servant. And he rode on a donkey to his own death. So let's go to the cross where atonement happens, the lamb who could take away the sin of the world. Luke 23, two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. Right before this, they let, they, um, let out a criminal, Barabbas. It was customary, you had to let somebody out. And the sin had clouded people so much, they didn't even know what they were doing. And I find it fascinating that Barabbas means son of father, of the, of, 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 of the father, uh, lowercase f. But here's the son of the father, capital F, God, not let out. This is he who knew no sin, became sin, paid the payment for us. And he didn't just die on a cross, he drank the cup of wrath. Let's watch as we continue to read. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there. And um, the word excruciating, that comes from a crucifixion. The Romans had perfected the, the torture execution by crucifixion. And very gruesome death, but that's not what makes Jesus unique. It's not just that moment. It's that he's going to, take the punishment for all of sin. This is why in the garden, you know, when he's praying, previous to this, God, let this cup pass. And Jesus said in verse 34, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself. If he is 
this God's Messiah, the chosen one. Sometimes if we so focus on how, we miss what God is doing. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him some sour wine, and he said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was above him, a true, a true banner. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I thought you did miracles, Jesus. Perform one now. But the other answered him, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. This is fascinating. Because if we don't think we're guilty, then really there's no need to be saved. Understanding salvation doesn't matter if you don't need to be saved. But yet this guy's like, not only does he understand he's a criminal, but this is a picture for all of us knowing our condition, knowing how bad the bad news is. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Look at this language. Garden of Eden, paradise. So what Jesus is going to prepare is paradise. And one day, you know what he's doing? He's coming back and he's going to make all things new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be a city and that God will wipe away every tear, that's what Jesus gave us access to now because now in Jesus is restored for what he did on the cross. And then one of the questions is, okay, well, where, what happens until Jesus comes back? Where are we at? Uh, look, there's, there, I've gotten to the place in life where I'm okay with ambiguity and mystery. You know, is it Abraham's bosom or what's this? And is it purgatory? Where are we at? Uh, look, look, the point of understanding salvation his name is Jesus. And the thief on the cross, get it. And look at another angle in the gospel in Matthew 27. While Jesus hung there, this is a famous moment where he says in verse 46, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus had never felt this before because he's one with the Father. So what was he feeling? He was feeling abandoned by taking the punishment because of our sin. This is why when I heard the gospel, it was as if I never even heard Jesus' name before. It was because God gives you ears to hear and eyes to see. And I pray in this place and online, you have ears to hear and eyes to see that Jesus is the Messiah. And I sat there thinking, I am so guilty. My sin killed him. And I think each one of us have to get to that place where it's a dead end street. I can't save myself. <laughs> And then when we hear him saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? We realize he's taken that for me. Maybe I get this because I've been in a courtroom and I know what it's like to sit before a judge and be guilty and not know if they had a good day that day or not. Talk about intimidating. And to be guilty and then Jesus comes in, he steps, he's like, oh, I got this. I'll take it. No, you can't. I'll take it. What do, how do I pay you back? What do I do? Can I have coffee with you? Can I serve? Can I, what can I do? I want to show up at church. The greatest injustice this planet's ever seen is the Son of God hanging on a cross 
for my son and yours. Understanding salvation. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is grace. It's a gift we didn't earn. And then look at Matthew 27. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. The temple, the temporary moment, to, the, the temporary place where mankind would connect with God is about the curtain of the sanctuary was torn from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs also opened up. And you want to get into some conspiracy talks and have some fun, weird stuff going on. Look, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city and appeared to many. So there's other people raising from the dead. People are like, what is going on? That's the power of Jesus on the cross when he uttered in John's gospel. Look at this, 1930. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. The cross is a place of victory. A cross that only Jesus, only Jesus as the lamb could get the lion's roar from by giving up everything to gain us back. This is God's rescue plan. That the sin separation and all the destruction in the world and the mystery of it and and one of the hardest things to wrestle with is, God, why don't you come back now? Why don't you stop all the evil in the world? Well, the claim of the gospel in Christianity is that God cares so much, he allowed his son to suffer and he's not on our timeline. This is humble pie, but it's good news. Because it is finished. I want to call Tina up, and she's going to sing a song that I wept yesterday listening to for the first time. It's called At the Cross. And the words, just every word was pierced into my soul. Because our sin, when we fail, you know what Adam and Eve did? They started to clothe themselves, and they felt shame, and then they hid from God. When we make mistakes, we walk in shame, and we try to hide from God. On our best day, our righteousness is filthy rags to the Lord. We're loved more than we could ever fathom. At our lowest and our worst place. And the good news of Jesus, the seed of his life, is where God rescued me and you at the cross. The cross where the payment was perfect and permanent. The sacrifice was flawless. A sinless man. The Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Kingdom of Heaven, the full manifestation of God's glory, all of His best to get close again to me and you, to dwell with us, restored back to the garden. The early church would say, Christ is victor, Christ is victorious over all the rulers, all of the demonic powers, 
strongholds this world seen, every authority, Jesus has bought it all and won it all. We could talk about the cross forever and try to understand it. But I pray right now in this moment, we move past comprehension and just get to heart. Say, is this true? Is it you, Jesus? Is it my sin that killed you? If so, I want to repent and I want to believe. I want to turn from my way. I want to believe in what Jesus has done. It is finished. Enjoy the song. deeper than flesh and blood and the remedies here on earth won't be enough thank God for the day that he sent his only son so I'll turn and I'll trust and I'll run to the father's love Cause I have decided and I will follow Lord, I will give you rest of my life Here at the altar, I will surrender I don't have to carry my shame anymore All of my sin, all my mistakes I will leave buried in the grave I have been forgiven that the cross There are fears that can only be silenced in perfect love There's a peace that is found when you lose everything but God Oh, the weight of my debt he has broken right off of my life So I hold to the hope that can only be found in Christ Cause I have decided and I will follow Lord, I will give you the rest of my life Here at the altar, I will surrender I don't have to carry my shame anymore All of my sin, all my mistakes I will leave buried in the grave I have been forgiven at the cross There's nothing I have done There's nothing I could do I know that I am loved and God, it's all because of you. Oh, I won't waste a second. I won't waste my praise. I give it all to Jesus. I surrender all my days. There's nothing I have done and there's nothing I could do. I know that I am loved and God, it's all because of you. Oh, I won't waste a second. Oh, I won't waste my praise. I give it all to Jesus. I surrender all 
story that goes, there's a preacher who in the middle of a storm, the rain was getting so high and they said, preacher, you got to get out of town. Better get out of here. He said, oh, I'm praying God's going to save me. He said, okay. You sure you don't want to get on the boat? No. Another boat comes by. Preacher, it's getting so high now. Sitting on top of the church building. I'm praying for God to save me. You sure you don't want to get on? Nope, God's coming. Then finally, he's at the top of the building. There's a helicopter that comes. Preacher, what are you doing? Get out of here. I'm waiting for God to save me. A fictitious story goes. He drowns. He's in heaven with God. He says, God, why didn't you save me? He goes, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What are you talking about? Sometimes we're like, hey, God, save me how we want to be saved. Understanding salvation is what God's done and what he's still doing through the power of the Holy Spirit, through people that are made brand new and born again in Jesus Christ. I want to call the worship team up and I don't know where you're at with Jesus. I pray that today you would just come to the altar and give your life to Christ. Um, it's super compelling to me, but maybe I'm naive and childish and foolish What was shared in that song is what I believed and I turned and I repented and I was made brand new. My sin gone, cleansed whiter than snow, not because of what I could do to get to heaven or hell, but because when God looks down, he doesn't see Jerome's record. He sees Jesus's clothing me 
That's grace. It's so beautiful. That's why we sing on Christ the solid rock. <laughs> All other ground is seeking sand. All other names can't save us. That's why there's power in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you came to rescue us. I pray in this moment, someone knows today's their day. They've been putting it off. They just got to repent and believe in the good news of Jesus. And then, of course, follow and learn. And, but understanding what you did as the seed, you planted your life so that we could grow. We could be made new. Incredible. And for us in the room, that we've walked with you. We know you. May we remember of how we overcome the evil one, the blood of the lamb, and our testimony. And we marvel at the cross. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. In the powerful name of Jesus, Amen. As we sing, you can sit. You can come and kneel. We're remembering Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.